CJ kills that beat. It's hard not to nod your head when that song comes on. So CJ, if you're listening, or, or if there's any MCs out there, I want to hear you spit some sevens verses on this on this beat. Jovi's offered a few times, but... <laughs> no. Uh, first of all, thank you to The Cover, thecover.com.au. If you haven't checked out that website, you should. Uh, Stairway to Sevens is back. We've got a... Awesome show for you today. We're Big catching show. up with USA Eagles co-captain Abby Gestardis, uh, UC7's OG, another UC7's yeah. OG. Ex-UC superstar. Yeah, yeah. So, we, yeah, it was a really good chat with her, so we'll throw to that shortly. But first, how are you, my friend? I'm going all right. That's good. Going all right. Yeah. Ran out of toilet paper last night, but I'm doing all right. Yeah, it's a it's a problem. And, and you know, in, I guess on a serious note, um, you know, Langford Sevens, I, I guess, is in doubt mm. at the very least. Um, all rugby in Australia has been postponed until May. Yeah, but it does look like North America's slightly ahead of Australia in terms of where they're at with the, the infection curve. So they, I, I imagine their return to sport will be sooner than ours. But yeah, but you know, we I guess we just don't know. Um, so we'll play it week by week, day by day. Uh, let's hope. That it goes ahead. So our live stream from Langford could be could be up in the air. Yeah, I mean, we may not get a chance to go live, and and people may not get a chance to hear our brilliant commentary or well, my brilliant commentary. Yeah, mine's rubbish. <laughs> well, look, what we'll do, I think we'll throw to Abby Gustatus right now. Uh, so Abby joins us. Uh, so we'll throw to her. All right, Abby, thanks for joining us. Um, Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, I guess, I mean, in, in the current climate, current environment, you know, how are you, first of all? I'm doing all right. Uh, quarantined to my room right now, but <laughs> in San Diego, it's a little bit of a ghost town. Uh, we're still allowed outside, so I'm going to take that while I have it and enjoy some sunshine um, before they tell me to stay inside my house. <laughs> yeah. And um, I mean, I know we were talking off air just before, but all all rugby in Australia is done. Nothing until at least May. It, have you had any communications from, you know, uh, Rugby USA on, on, on your response or what you're allowed to do currently? So USA Rugby has, shut down all club rugby for 30 days, including yeah. the, the major league rugby that's played over here for yep. the men professional. Yep. And as far as the sevens training is concerned, we are shut down for a few days and then we're going to touch base tomorrow as a team on like a group call. And then they're going to, you know, update us uh, about the rest of the week and then going forward. So right now we're planning on training Thursday, but I really don't see it happening. Yeah, it's oh, and you know, I guess that's the big, you know, the big thing is you've you've still got Langford to prepare for. Exactly. So that's the first weekend of May, and yeah, we already had the Hong Kong event canceled, which was supposed to be in a couple of weeks, and we were all gutted to hear that. And now 
we're all really hoping that Langford goes forward. Like, obviously, we all miss playing footy, and we just want to get back out there and play against the best. And it's it's unfortunate to have, you know, these tournaments canceled as much as we want to look after the welfare of the players and audience and all that. But we definitely miss it. Yeah, and, you know, the I guess the big looming shadow is, you know, the Olympics. So there's obviously still that to prepare for. You know, they're... they're they brought out a statement yesterday or late last night that said, you know, they're still going to go ahead with it. But if, you know, if, if we start seeing these World Series tournaments drop off, it's going to be really hard to get, you know, the game time, the conditioning, all of that that you need to actually be successful. Exactly. So we are full steam ahead looking at Tokyo at the end of July. But these last few tournaments are really critical in our, you know, preparation, just as for any other team on the circuit. It's it's unlike any prep you can do at home mm. or, or just amongst, amongst your own training squad. It's, it's just really that next level, and you can't replicate that on the training fields as much as you try. Yeah. But we, we are, we're really hoping that at least one of the events goes on. At, at, at this time, it does seem a bit unlikely with how things are going, how they've just kind of keep escalating. Mm. Um. I think I've been in a bit of denial this last couple of weeks. I'm like, oh, a little vacation Monday and Tuesday. And now it's like, okay. Uh, this no is real. Like, let's play. Yeah. yeah, it's like, wait, this is a lot of things are happening. Like, my favorite coffee shop is closed for a month. So I'm like, all right, oh, well, man. I'll probably die without that anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> corona or not. <laughs> but, yeah. So really hoping Tokyo goes forward, you know, it would just be so devastating for so many athletes, not mm. just footy players, but something you train so hard for, for so long. Like, I mean, tech, like people have been training for this before they even knew rugby sevens was in the Olympics, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's just hope it, hope it carries on. And, and, you know, this is something James can speak to a little bit. Um, you know, he works in that elite athlete sort of welfare space. If the Olympics don't go ahead, you know, the 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 athlete welfare aspect in terms of, you know, feeling like you've just wasted four years of your life not being able to, to go to an Olympics and, you know, someone who's potentially, you know, in their mid-30s is like, you know, this is the last one, you know, yeah, that that's going to be something that's... Could have been training for up to 12 years trying to prep for this. So yeah. we're, we're really trying to develop strategies on how we handle pre-Tokyo for those athletes that can't actually get to qualifying events, you know, and may miss out on Tokyo if it goes ahead because they can't qualify. And then obviously trying mm. to deal with welfare strategies if it, if it doesn't go ahead as well. It's pretty, pretty scary times. Yeah. Yeah. That's super, that's super scary. I mean, we're us and Australia are lucky in the sense that we've already qualified for the game. Mm. I know there's, there's super competitive teams like France and Russia mm. who would have to still compete in that repechage, yeah. which is supposed to take place in June. But if that can't go on, I don't know how they would even determine the last spot for the Olympics. And, and you'd have to think that repechage is potentially going to have less teams going to it, especially from those more severely affected countries. Yeah, exactly. So then how, how does that affect the games in general? Mm. And then, you know, uh, how, how do you... How do you justify? So if you say you're getting rid of the, the repper charge, and you know, say another another World Series tournament drops off, how do you then justify saying, okay, well, we're just going to take whoever finished, you know, fifth and sixth? Like that's a really 
Yeah. It's a really difficult call to make. Oh, that hundred percent. I mean, the, yeah, the qualification process would completely go out the window then. Mm. And so, and you, you would just have to live with all these what ifs for so long. Mm. Like, I think this is like the peak of like sports psychology coming in now, mm. like, especially like with the build up to the games, it's, you know, as a team, we're working more with our sports psych than ever before, like, let alone on a one-on-one basis, but just as a team trying to stay connected to, you know, like our values and like what the Olympics mean in general, but also like going for, like trying to get into a mindset, like if, what if they don't go on or what if these tournaments keep getting canceled, like how are we going to deal with that? And Mm. it's, it's hard to process that. And as much as we want to just stay present and focus on what we can control, it's, it's nearly impossible to not let your mind think that way or have those thoughts flood in. Yeah. Well, especially, yeah, as you say, you, you know, you don't even know if you're going to get an opportunity to train this week, let alone <laughs> compete in a couple of weeks time. It, it's yeah, it's, it's tough. And yeah, it's it's nice for us to hear, you know, Australia's uh, invested really heavily. Australian sport has invested really heavily in we call them AWNEs, athlete welfare and engagement officers. So it's really nice to hear that you guys have access to a to a sports site because that's something. Certainly, when I was a player, we didn't have any access to, and 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 a lot of the coaches didn't place any value on it. So it's really nice to hear that you you, you do have access to it, and it sounds like you guys are using it pretty effectively. Oh, definitely. It's when I first joined the team, I, you know, it was sort of an awkward thing for me. Like, wait, I don't need to talk to a therapist (laughs) or, and you know, and I was 23 maybe, and I'm 28 now. Mm. And I, I put so much value in it and just the mental side of the game, especially rugby sevens. It's such a roller coaster of emotions and you have to be able to come down from that high to, you know, recover and settle and let your mind rest and your body recover in between matches but then if you just lose a game it's like coming coming up from that and then mm. let alone all let alone all the emotions that come with just training and preparation for tournaments like that's just the actual day of the tournament but it's just yeah it's such a crazy yeah. game it's it's unlike any other sport in that regard because you it's it's cutthroat like some you know now with this new format you have, you lose a game, it's really hard to qualify for that top four. But then also, you know, you you have you have a game where you, you play really well, you win, then you're asked to calm yourself down, relax, recover, eat, do what you gotta do, and then an hour later you're you're back on the field. Right, exactly. It's yeah, it's uh it's unlike any other sport, you know, most sports you play one game a day. You get the win or you get the loss, and then you got you know at least a week to recover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, and I really hope we never see that format of New Zealand and Sydney again because <laughs> it did not do us any favors. No, I mean, no, uh, it was a brutal, brutal two back-to-back weekends yeah. for us. Yeah, and you know we we had a few um, a few friends, a few colleagues who were our team liaisons, and it. It sounded like all the teams were pretty unhappy with the format. Yeah, it's just as the rugby sevens is difficult enough yeah. with general pool, pool <laughs> yeah. play and yeah. going into quarterfinals. So it's just, 
it takes it to the next level. And the way the game's evolved is, you know, there's eight teams that a matter of 30 seconds in the match could cost you the game or let you win the game. Yeah. So it's, there, there's obviously en- endless opportunities in a match, but somehow those games always come down to one or two moments. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're not, you're not in it at that time, you know, the game flips out and then all of a sudden you're not even in the top four. And for us, you know, we, we played in the seventh and eighth match game in Sydney for the first time in years. Mm. And we, we ended up losing that match to Russia in 1914, which again, haven't lost to Russia in, <laughs> I don't know how long, yeah. but that's, that's what that's where the game is coming to so those top eight teams are all so competitive and on that day it 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 could be either team coming out on top yeah and you know that's what you want you want to you want a competition you know in my opinion it's a it's an unreal product you know in terms of what you watch every game's competitive and as you say it the, the amount of games that are decided by four points you know so two moments one try one missed opportunity um exactly you, yeah, you don't you don't get that in in most other sports. You know, you, even you watch the NBA and you know you see forty point blowouts all the time. Yeah. Exactly. No, it's so different. I mean, I was just in Vancouver at the men's tournament, and Canada really showed up at mm. their home stop, going three and zero in pool play. And you're like, wait, this is the tenth ranked team yeah. on the series out of sixteen men, but they just they just clean sweep and they went smashing into quarterfinals and they missed out on the final by two inches like that the guy tried to score in the corner and he was just I mean not even two inches really like he barely missed the try line and then they went into the bronze medal game but I had someone ask me and who had never been to a rugby tournament and they were like do all the games like come down to this (laughs) moment like it's so bizarre we've never seen a sport like this Mm. and it's pretty crazy. You obviously have a blowouts on occasion, but I would say more often than not, there it's, it's a nail biter. Like you're so always you're always on the edge of your seat. Exactly, it's so exciting. Unlike mm. a lot of other sports, but yeah. maybe we're a little biased because we play. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that's are fair. involved in it. <laughs> but you know, the, one of the, one of the one of the things we love about it as spectators and, and even as coaches, you know, watching the momentum swing. You know, you see it all the time. A team gets out by, you know, 12 points and then all of a sudden it's 12 all three minutes later and the game's in the balance. You know, you you really don't see many other sports where the, the momentum swings so drastically. Yeah, so true. And it's devastating when you're not on that momentum. <laughs> <Yeah. shift. laughs> For sure. But yeah. it's, it's so hard to stay, it's so hard to stay, you know, present and in that moment and, you know, pretending it's, nil nil um when you're 19 points up and then a team can score three tries in three minutes unlike most sports where you can't get those back-to-back opportunities Mm. and especially in sevens with the kickoff i mean if you've if you've mastered that or you can retain your own kick kicks you can score a serious Mm. amount of tries really quickly yeah has that been a real point of emphasis for you, you know, the women's team, but for USA Sevens uh, holistically? Definitely. We we spend a lot of time on that. We have a lot of taller girls in general. Yeah. 
and we're bigger than a lot of teams. So we try to use that approach. We we're lucky enough to have two world-class kickers on our team. So mm, most of the time, one, yeah, <laughs> most of the time, one of them's on the field. So, yep. you know, if, and we have a few aerialists and that's just like the bread and butter. We, we just love doing it. It's my favorite part of the game. Uh, it's just, it's such a little like niche part of rugby sevens and some like, you know, if it's your craft and you, you just find so much passion in it and just love every aspect of it. So it's, it's a cool like one-on-one competition mm. amongst, amongst the game. And it, it's just something, a cool little battle that you can win in that moment. Yeah. It's become for a lot of teams, it's become a real weapon. You know, if you have a kicker who can, who can, put the ball on a dime, then all of a sudden you can put your best aerialists under that ball and then it becomes a real contest. You know, we even saw oh, exactly. we, we even saw Australian, the men um, against Canada, just put one in behind um, that front line and the ball sat up and, you know, he, he ran um, 40 metres to score a try. But, you know, that's, that's, how, that's how important securing the kickoffs are, but also you know, applying pressure at that kickoff for, for that reason. You know, you can score points either way just by, exactly. yeah, just by retention or, or by putting pressure on. And and with the, the, I guess, the technique associated with it now, it's it's almost become the sevens version of the front row battle come scrum time. Yeah. Like the aerialists, as you mentioned, are really putting emphasis mm-hmm. and enjoyment in in being as, as good as they can be at, you know, at kickoff retention. It, it's becoming that tight head, loose head battle that we see so often in the 15s game. No, it makes sense. And now, in, and you just have teams taking it to the next level with the pods and, you know, the lifting. Like, that was never even a part of the women's game, I'd say, two years ago. But I think we've seen the men have success with it, and some of the teams are utilizing that on the kickoff receipts. And it definitely makes it harder, especially, you know, you have the walls where you can't hit someone is in the air so mm. i think that's that's another tactic in itself if you're going up against a strong kickoff team then you know you put a you throw a couple pods in there and if you know the kicks aren't accurate for the kickoff team then you can secure that possession a little better mm. well it, it's kind of like uh going up and getting a rebound right because that was your sport yeah. before wasn't it basketball uh, yeah exactly yeah and so you know we'll yeah, it, it's interesting because we've seen in Australia a lot of um, what we call them transition athletes, so, uh, you know, other sports. Um, but netball, you know, Cassie Staples was a, was an ex-netballer. Those netball, exactly. those netball players seem to be the best ones at getting, you know, snatching the ball out of the air and then hitting the, hitting the ground running. With, with a lot of the, I guess, the rugby athletes, it, it's, a, it's a much longer process to get them comfortable getting up off the ground to go and snatch that ball. Yeah, and I, a lot of them have a touch football background as well, so a lot of it's, you know, from the ground up. Yeah. Yeah. It's super interesting how that translates. We have a we have a several girls. In, in the States, it's just so normal to grow up playing basketball mm. as well. So uh, a lot of a lot of the girls on the team pl- played it growing up, if not all the way through high school. So that skill definitely comes in handy. Yeah, well, that's one of the things. I spent a little bit of time in the States uh, last year visiting a few universities and, and we got to visit a couple of high schools as well on the on the West Coast. And mm-hmm. one of the things I was so impressed with 
was that the the amount of sports that were available for for girls like James and I went to a school the other day um <laughs> yeah local school in Canberra yeah to try and um, <laughs> we're, we're trying to you know we're trying to get um younger girls into rugby and and there's you know we've had a lot of feedback that there's a need for it there's girls that want to play but we went to this school and the two options they had for girls were netball and cheer and and we're not no talk- way. yeah and we're not we're not even talking about you know the american style cheer the 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 you know the effectively the gymnast style of cheer we're talking pom-poms dancing and and chanting that's that that was it and that's it that's it yeah it's it, a, a private school with you know decent financial backing yeah it was it was very interesting that's such a disservice to the young women going through that like totally or it's just it's so it's so crucial i mean let alone just strictly athletics and like physical well-being but there's so many things that extends to beyond that like just even socially like mm. creating those bonds with your teammates it's mental health i mean you could just go on with how it translates into life but oh it's so upsetting to hear mm. and, and you know where we're in a lot of respects we're ahead in the professional sporting space you know we have a lot of now professional sports for women soccer rugby um cricket basketball you know, yeah, netball netball a lot of the olympic sports yeah. are, are fully professional now but at the you know the community level school sport level participation level we are so far behind the rest of the world particularly the united states yeah and it, and it is it's, yeah, like it, it's disappointing you know it, even even my sister my sister grew up playing netball she always wanted to play rugby um, but there was nothing for it, no, no ability to do that. Yeah, it, it is shocking to hear because, like you said, I mean, you have the Super W, the yeah. women's, you know, women's 15s, Aon, women's sevens, and th- those two are just both huge steps up on the states, at least. And mm. actually, a lot of countries, as far as women's rugby is concerned. And so that's why I think it's so shocking to hear that at a school. Age, that there's not more programs, especially mm. with how well Australia has done in women's sports, basketball, elite rugby league, sevens, like so- Australian soccer, such a strong mm. team. So, yeah, and it just it just seems you know we we produce we have a history of producing brilliant athletes. Um, often, you know, you know, you look at someone like Elise Perry; she's played for the Matildas and that is now the it now plays uh, cricket for Australia as well, and and you know I never saw her play for the Matildas, but by all reports was one of the best soccer players in in Australia, if not the world, and is now probably the best cricketer in the world. But yeah, really? yeah, yeah, but but really just at at the yeah, you know, for for girls who are twelve, thirteen, fourteen, there's really appears to be not that many um not that many options for them, and it, it is yeah, it is disappointing. What when you were going through school, middle school and high school, did you did you play other sports other than basketball, obviously, but were there other things that you tried? Yeah, I mean, growing up, I tried about every sport <laughs> I could think of. You know, field hockey, lacrosse, swimming, softball. Then our, the girls' softball team got cut. I played boys' baseball for a bit. Um, but every... Season, there's 
at least minimum of two sports, but I would say more like three of cross country girls could wrestle, yeah. um, you know, just endless sports. It seemed like growing, you know, there's, and then of course you had your cheer, your different types of dance mm. and more, which, you know, still athletic or throwing people in the air. I couldn't do it. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, well, I, I watched, but, I watched that uh, Netflix show, that cheer on Netflix yeah. with, with Kat. Kat convinced me to watch it, my partner. And, uh, yeah. I've gained a newfound respect for those for those athletes. They are athletes. They're they're not. Dang. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, that was that amped me up. I was like, man, maybe I want my kids to be cheerleaders. <laughs> <laughs> this is intense. Like, yeah. I, I mean, hey, I I would try it. I actually, my, a couple of my friends and I were watching that, and we uh, we actually decided to try out some of the moves and <laughs> I <laughs> one of my friends just launched herself off of our friend's shoulders and then my friend my one of our other friends and my, myself caught her in like the basket yeah. but it was it was pretty wild and reckless I'm not gonna lie so they should put <laughs> they should definitely put like do not try this at home because I don't think I saw that when I was no I definitely <laughs> didn't that. see that yeah yeah <laughs> They probably thought people had, you know, brains and weren't going to do it, but you know, <laughs> it's always a challenge. Yeah, you know, sometimes you just got to mix up your training, a bit of cross training. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> exactly. I figured I'd give it a shot. See if, <laughs> see if that was my true calling instead of rugby. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you you were introduced to rugby at college. Were you Were you participating in college sports or were you there purely to study? Yeah, just academics. I had given up basketball. I, I considered following a collegiate career for basketball, but I had set my, I think, ambitions on pursuing a medical career and doing the whole med school and mm-hmm. really wanted to focus on my academics. And And then I got to college and I was like, yeah, I'm missing sport. I need to do something yep. about a couple months in. So it didn't last too long the whole studying thing but I just I just remember a girl who I lived with in the residence hall had had gotten a flyer from like one of those welcome events with a rugby practice and then she was like hey you should we should go try this out or whatever and I had never even heard of rugby and so just showed up to training one day I didn't have I just had I think I had sneakers on if I could be completely <laughs> honest because I don't I don't think I would have owned boots for any reason I hadn't played soccer in years so mm. um eventually I got a pair but <laughs> yeah well they're kind of important yeah, just a little bit. I think they were some like horrendous, like bulky, like tight five boots that I was trying to run. Someone had lent me at first. I was yeah, like, what? Yeah, with the these? with the metal with the metal sprigs, the metal studs at it, the bottom. It, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Just ended up just chatting with some of the girls, and everyone was so welcoming. There was like forty women out there, and 
they just played a couple times a week, play, you know, obviously played on Saturdays. Mm. I learned all the songs, Saturdays a rugby day. And mm. I think I think I was hooked after that. <laughs> like, wow, this is super social. I can run around, hit people. <laughs> it was unlike anything I'd ever done. That's, like, that's how most people get into so- it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they say soccer is a contact sport and basketball, but there's nothing, obviously nothing comparable to rugby. So uh, definitely fell in love with that aspect of it. And then just the camaraderie of the team really sucked me in and, you know, had a chance to make new friends, have plans on the weekends, run around. It, it all seemed to work work out pretty well and minimal commitment. So <laughs> I could <laughs> pretend to still focus on my studying. Yeah. So sort of, sort of after that, how did you end up, I guess, coming, coming to Canberra and playing, playing sevens with the UC? Right. So I was a member. I moved out to San Diego in 2015 uh, to join the Sevens residency program. And I was in that full time for about a year. And then I was released from the program and lead up to the Rio Games. So I went back to Washington, D.C., which is near where I went to university. Mm -hmm. And I was playing club sevens. And then the the coach that I played uh, club sevens for, he actually had played with Tim Walsh back when he, I think Tim Walsh had come over to the States to play some rugby. And so they right. were, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. I can't exactly be sure, but <laughs> um, so then, yeah, he just, they, which they sort of were connected and, um, while she told him that Australia was starting this Aon 7 um, series, and then myself and Kiki Morgan, who played for yeah, Utah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we were, we played Club 7s together, and then we got that connected. And so after the, I went to the 15th World Cup in Ireland in 2017, and so I was a little late to the, uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, you, you, you missed the first round. Yeah. 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 And yeah. so, yeah, so he had just got us connected. And I think I, you know, he reached out to a few of the teams. And I think it was Grimo at the time. Mm. And like, hey, yeah, we'd love to have someone. I think Kiki and I both tried to, either we were both going to go to Tassie or we were both going to go to Canberra. And then yeah, just ended yeah, up. Because we ended up with Kiki and then Sydney with Tanabe yeah. as well. So, yeah. so yeah. yeah, I can I can remember uh, having a couple of discussions with Walshie about because it, it we you know we were uh, Tazzy's probably in the same boat. We were definitely under under resourced and and had a had a fairly small player pool. So I remember there was a mm-hmm. lot of discussions around who you know which obviously which Australian players are going where, and then you know with a number of. Um, for, yeah, we'll call them imports with a number of imports coming in yeah. <laughs> uh, where where they were going and, it, and it, it's in the end yeah we I think I think we UC got got the best deal in the end <laughs> well, with me coming up <laughs> <laughs> agreed I'm gonna go ahead and agree <laughs> yeah yeah um what do you, what do you remember about that? That first season, because you you obviously played in year two when we were a bit more organised. But what it what what were some of the things that have that have stuck with you about that first season? 
gosh, I just remember it being freezing in Canberra. <laughs> just, <laughs> just so yeah. cold. Yeah. And I remember some of the first train, like the first train, I stayed on campus for the first few days. That's right, yeah. And yeah, and then before I moved off, but. Let's see, some of the highlights, I think, I remember being on the wing and training, like, maybe my second day, and Grimo's like, give it to the speed on the edge, and I'm looking around like, who the hell is he talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, he means me. I was like, wow, he is in for a rude awakening, but all right. (laughs) But, uh, and then... Um, I remember getting attacked by magpie biking to training uh, one day. That's right. Yeah, we didn't warn you Just about those. Sorry. <laughs> whooped right again. <laughs> uh, that's not the best one. But no, I, guess I, I had such a great time. Like y- Yazzie was around before mm, she that's right, made yeah. it to, onto the Aussie team. She was just, she's so just full of class. Like she'd pick me up once she found out I got attacked on the bike yeah. so uh she was like oh, i'll just come pick you up for training it's all good and she used um, to she used to take you on some excursions to mcdonald's after training too didn't she yeah, <laughs> yeah that girl loves the macos <laughs> <laughs> they all do i feel like that everyone down there they're like wait you don't eat macos after every rugby tournament i'm like no what are you guys on about but Oh, and I remember I was playing center the first tournament. I That's don't remember right. where we were. We I was were, playing we were center. And at Macquarie University in Sydney. Yeah. yeah. And we're playing Bonds, and I look up, and it's a scrum, and I'm, like, normally jogging over to the scrum, and they're like, no, no, no you're playing center, remember? And I was like, oh, all right. Well, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> look up. Charlotte is across from me. Yeah. And I was like, this is awesome. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm like telling the winger, I'm like, all right, stay close, stay close. If you got her out, and they're like, what, is, what? What are you going on about? And then out, Charlotte, right through the gap. I was like, all right, someone put me back in the prop position. <laughs> yeah, but, I think, I, no, think was, I think Grimo lost a bit of hair over that decision. Yeah, had to. <laughs> I was like, all right, we're going to need to, I was like, trust me, guys, I, I have a skill set that will do well in the forwards. Maybe mm. not in the back line, but <laughs> I promise you I've played seven before. <laughs> but, you know, it was it was a great time. I think we were, we were just short of meddling in that. Um, yeah, at UQ. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, UQ. Oh, it was just devastating. Yeah, yeah we, we were pulling. We played we played Bond, and I remember um, there was a the ball was on the ground, and Charlotte Kaslick was going back to collect it, and then she died. Yes. And Cassie tripped over her, and then we got penalised. But in the meantime, Yasmin had actually picked up the ball and was was about to score, and the, and the game was yep. over. So it, you know, you know, it was a fifty fifty call. Um, you know, I thought we were hard done by, obviously. But yeah, you know, and it goes back to what you're saying. You know, it, that so many games come down to one or two moments, and that you know that was an example. And and I remember on the plane back, I was, you know, I was a team manager, assistant coach, but I was devastated for you guys because I I felt like you really deserved that. Like you played so well, the the whole first day, 
you know, a close a close game in the semifinal the next day, and then you know yeah. to lose that way when when really you know that I think that would have been you know a huge achievement to get that medal first year third tournament in you know, um, but yeah you know these things happen. I hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, it's just still it's still a brutal game. That's what we've learned. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So sort of when yeah. when you went back to the states, sort of post Aon. Um, I guess, what was the next sort of part of your journey there? So the head coach of the sevens team at that time was Richie Walker. And he, he reached out to me while I was there and he's like, Hey, when are you coming back? And I was like, well, I don't really have any plans to come back right now. <laughs> I, I'm kind of loving it here. And it's just getting, it was October. I think at that time, yeah. I was like, it's just getting nice out. Like yeah. I, I want to stay. <laughs> and then he sort of, you know, he's like, well, okay, keep playing, whatever. And then he's like, well, I'd like to have a look at you for Dubai, which was at the end of November of that mm. same year, in 2017. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, hell, I got to go back. Like, this is that's been the dream to just make the circuit and have a run out on the USA jersey. So yeah. I went back um, Halloween from Australia. Um, I had played in that, was it? called central coast yeah that's yeah, right Cent- coast. central coast yeah. sevens yeah yep yeah so i played in that and then i think i left like right right after and i went straight to san diego yep and had trained there for maybe like 10 days they put me up in the like apartment with some of the girls and there was only maybe like 20 girls training at the time and then you know, whatever, two weeks later, they announced the squad for Dubai and I was on it and I was just, <laughs> it, was, it was an unreal feeling. Like I had fully convinced myself that, that you know, th- this might not be my path or mm. this was already my second go around trying to make the seven team. And I'd gone to a couple camps bef- like in the interim, like before, um, like before Rio and then after that year like it, leading up to the 15th world cup and still hadn't made a team and so you know i was maybe 25 26 yep. Yep. and um so it's like all right well if i if it's not soon it's not going to happen and then oh i was just elated it was just unreal feeling to see your name on that list and so i went to dubai and made my debut and then end up playing I think the whole entire tournament like maybe two three minutes off mm. like max the yep. whole time and we came in second we actually played Australia right. in the yeah. final yeah. it was yeah. so wild and <laughs> I'm Sharni was there yeah. and Cass was there yeah and they absolutely smoked us <laughs> but <laughs> but it was it was so it was really cool and I just I I felt really fulfilled in the moment, and then after the final, I was like, "I was like, no, I want, I want more. Like that's, you know, that 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 was just a taste." And so mm-hmm. I got offered a full time contract after that. So I flew back and went home for a couple weeks to visit my family because at that point I'd been gone since like the end of July. So I went from oh, that's right, because you went straight from. <laughs> the world cup and you flew to australia you didn't even I, I remember that you didn't even unpack your bag you just whatever you <laughs> had in your world cup bag yeah we're, we're coming to yeah. australia 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, and I had already gone to San Diego for 15 prep before. So that was like June, yeah. actually, of 2017 to the end of December. And my family's like, oh, okay, she lives. <laughs> but, and then I, I packed up all my stuff and I drove across the country um, in between Christmas and New Year's of that, of 2017 and m- moved out to San Diego and I've been, I've been here since. Wow. It was interesting. We spoke to Yasmin a couple of weeks ago and her, she, you know, she took a little bit longer to make her debut for Australia, but her story is very similar where she, one week was, you know, teaching class and having to get paid, le- uh, unpaid leave to go and play in tournaments to then being a full-time professional, you know. It, right. It's crazy. What, it what, really is. Yeah. It, it, what, what, what do you think has been, you know, for you the biggest challenge or, or you know, the hardest thing about, you know, where you, you went from, you know, p- playing club sevens um, one year to being a full-time professional, what's been the hardest thing about making that, that transition? I mean, oh, there's so, so many challenges. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. It's, it's, it's a grind day yeah. in and day out. It, it doesn't get easier. I think the, the mental side of it is huge. Mm. And a lot of times like the self-confidence can lack, like even I'm currently the co-captain of the USA team and, there's times I don't even believe in myself and I, then I have to check, check in. And, mm-hmm. you know, if I don't believe in myself, like how, how are my teammates going to buy in? How, how's my coach going to believe in me to put me on the field? And so I think that's been huge for me, especially, you know, being told no so many times, like from different coaches always, you know, I start playing 15s and transition to sevens, So that was hard in itself. Like, Oh, you're not quick enough. You're not, your skills aren't good enough. And well, you, you start, you, you start to believe them, them right? You, you get told yeah, no enough. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so hard. And, and it's in, the, at the end of the day, it, it's a subjective sport of, you know, who picks the team. So yeah. you really just have to, you have to put your best out there every day, but it's not, you know, it's not a time trial. It's not, you know, sprinting in the Olympics. Oh, okay. The top 10 fastest go. So mm-hmm. it, it takes a lot. You, you have to be as well-rounded um, as possible and just adaptable, I think, in all situations. But the, the daily grind and just that mental side of things, I would say, is has been the most difficult for me because I went from just club sevens, which you just, you're out there, you're having fun, you're enjoying it. and But the level of play is not as high. Yep. You really just have to take it up that next notch like the game is so much faster and the tackles are harder people are running fast it's just it's all taken up to the next level and I think just staying doing your best to stay positive staying in the fight and just showing showing up every day with that that positive attitude the, that intent the a growth you know growth mindset the willingness to learn it's all it's all balled up into into what like I would say making making it count each day, mm. but that that has been a, a, a challenge for me over the years. Yeah, one of the things we noticed with you as a as a coaching group is how in that second year how disciplined you were. So you, you know you had you obviously were a contracted athlete and you had you know some things you needed to check off 
consistently for your coaches back home. But then also the way you would look after your body, the you know, the way you would be really calculated in what you ate and the way you stretched and the way you managed yourself. I, I remember some of the other girls making fun of you, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, they still do, Liam. They still do. <laughs> like, oh, Grandma Abby's at home. <laughs> but, you know, that, that those those are the things that, you know, when you're watching the game, the people don't see. They don't see those little one percenters, those those tiny little things that you, that that you do, and and a lot of other girls on the tour do, and and we've noticed it with our younger cohort coming in now. There, you know, we've noticed they're starting to really look after their body and watch what they eat. Those are the things you don't see, and and it takes right. you know it it takes incredible discipline. Like if I ate and trained like you, you guys, I, I think <laughs> I'd be dead. <laughs> You think that, but you learn to learn to accept it, <laughs> go with it. But that is actually that's a it's a huge point because when I first came out in 2015, I would just kind of do whatever, and I was obviously a couple years younger then, mm. so it was you you have you have that flexibility, but it's also you know as you mature and you learn more about the sport and you just think well, what can I do to better myself or what can I do that will put me ahead of the curve that mm -hmm. maybe my opponent isn't doing or just put myself in the best position to make every team, to make my team better and, you know, get us on that podium at the end of the day. And I yep. think I've really, I've really grown um, as a person and a player with outside of just my individual self and, I think I, I put a lot more emphasis on the team and like how I can better them. And I think that's, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to that. Like we want, you know, we want our program to win a medal in Tokyo and like, it's hard to imagine, but like those daily choices truly do affect that outcome. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know, it, it might not, it might not be obvious to you, to you even as an athlete, but, you know, it can give you that that extra one percent that that gets you that gets you over the line, or that you know that that allows you to get your arms free, or or allows you to make that that last effort to to win you a a big game at the at the back end of the tournament. It's yeah, it's it's definitely important. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I guess we've we've touched on the the Olympics. How much would that sort of mean to to you and and the USA program to to be successful in Tokyo? Obviously, you're all bought into to being successful and putting in everything you can to get the results that you want. But, but I guess how much would that getting that result mean? I don't even think I can put it into words. It's, it's everything that is trained for. It's, you know, what I've decided to put my future career on hold for my life, maybe having a family and just to train for that one you know, that one moment or, or one weekend of to be on the biggest stage and just to make your family proud and doing it for, you know, all those young girls and even those little boys out there. I think it's just seeing how unifying sport is and just how incredible it is to watch like a nation achieve that. It's, it's super exciting and like, I, I just get chills thinking about it and just how unreal it is. Obviously, you want to be there, but no one wants to just participate in the games. It's, 
it's all about the metal and just proving like that all the years all the years of sacrifice and training and effort are all worth it and I think they will be no matter the outcome and I think just the ability to stay present in the, in those games is like something we train really hard to do and just enjoy every second of it and it's something super special that not that many people uh, get to experience and especially growing up in the states there's so much emphasis on sport and you grow up watching the olympics everyone everyone does when they're on every two years it's you know a month of just like you're glued to the tv you might not Mm -hmm. even watch tv on a regular basis but um it's like i don't i don't even want to call it a dream because it it's it's more like a fantasy you have as a kid because you don't ever think that you're truly going to be there and then you get so close like like we are now and like just even that threat or that scare of having it taken away is it's hard to deal with but I think it would just it's just such a special and like unreal feeling to even think about and I, I just want to make I just want to make my family proud and my friends and like my hometown and just give them something um, to look to and in difficult times like these again like it's just so unifying and anyone can get behind an american flag being in the states so i think that's what's pretty special about it as well yeah it's it's unlike any other event sporting sporting or otherwise in in the world it's it's um yeah it would certainly it would certainly i i yeah appreciate what you're saying And, and everyone we've spoken to uh, you know, has a similar sentiment in that you, you really can't put it into words. And I can promise you, Abby, just competing at the Olympics, everyone will be proud of you. But your answer, yeah. your answer just then has has made me a, a USA supporter. So go team USA. <laughs> <laughs> Darnie will be pissed. Yeah, sure. I... Yeah, well, she's got to come on the show. She's got to convince me otherwise now. Exactly. <laughs> and look, the last last thing before we let you go. Um, you know what? What do you think is going to be the key, you know, the key thing for 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 the USA Eagles for you guys to make that jump to to be really successful at the Olympics and be pushing for for a gold medal? I I think it's I think it's just going to come down to being in the moment throughout the fourteen minutes because we we let ourselves get caught up in the outcome or what could have happened after a mistake happens. And it's just all about then and there and what is needed in that moment. We're continuing to learn from each other day in and day out, our tendencies and habits on the pitch. And I think as we get more accustomed to those, it's, it's just that unification uh, during those 14 minutes. Because even if your teammate makes the wrong decision, but, you're all there to support her, then mm-hmm. it, it doesn't even matter that what, as long as a decision is made. So I think it'll be, it's come down to that, just like be, being in the moment. And if we're, if we're on the same page, I think, I think we'll be able to be up there and contend for that medal. Yeah. yeah agreed. And it, it's interesting you say that, that being in the moment, the, uh, I, I read a book recently about, you know, the all black success with, with Graham Henry and, and he was saying, the minute they brought in a, a sports psych and, and he did some some one-on-one time with all the players, they were too concerned about what happened at the last World Cup 
and what's going to happen mm-hmm. at the next World Cup rather than just reacting to what, what problem is, is in front of them. And as soon as they flipped that mindset, they went on probably one of the most successful rampages, we'll call it, of, of any sporting <laughs> team. So, um, yeah. So I, to- I totally agree with that, I think. And not enough can be said for, for really being being focused on what's in front of you rather than what's coming or, or, or what's behind you. Yeah, and I mean, at this stage of the game of sevens, like every team is going to be fit. Every team is going to be strong. They're going to have the skill set. So it's, it's how you use it and, and what you're thinking and feeling in those moments. And like that's, I think that's going to be a game changer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Abby... Thank you so much. You know, we've taken up an hour of your time this morning or, or this afternoon, your time. Um, yeah, can't thank you enough. It was it was really nice to catch up, mate. Always, always a pleasure. Um, I'm excited and um, congrats again on on taking taking over the coaching role there. Um, you did well and oh, it's, exci- it's exciting to watch and and I always have Aon and Canberra close close to my heart yeah and yeah and same for us you know we we always cheer for the u.s you know unless they're playing against australia but um <laughs> and, and largely because of you know you you were a huge part of, of of helping us establish our program and and instilling you know a, a culture of of hard work so we really appreciate that from you too oh, means a lot thanks guys all right thanks abby go team usa <laughs> awesome take care see ya yeah, so once again, uh, thanks, Abby. That was that was an awesome, awesome chat. I, I, you know, to to hear her talk about, you know, I know we we spoke to Yasmin about it last week, but to hear her talk about, you know, what participating in the Olympics would mean, but you know, more importantly, winning a medal. Um, I think if you're not inspired by that, then there's probably something wrong with you. Yeah, and, and it t- I think one of her like really key messages was, especially for those young athletes coming through, like. There's, there's nothing wrong with using sports socks and, and really training the mental aspect of the game and, and being able to stay present and, and all of those things. I think that's that's a probably a really big key work on for our, our junior athletes coming through, especially in a, an erratic sport like sevens. Yeah, you know, the, the way she was talking about the, the roller coaster, the emotional roller coaster, yeah. there's ups, there's downs, there's periods of rest, there's periods where, you, where you're really active all the time, you know eliminating some of those distractions that you have is, is obviously a good thing and, and really being, you know, really being present. I think one of the, the huge challenges in today's climate, coronavirus aside, is, is that we have access to too much information yeah. and, and it's at our fingertips. Yeah. You know, it, it's really easy for, yeah, even as a coach to, to walk back into the change room, pick up your phone and see the, you know, the three or four messages from, from different people who watch the game or, you know, scroll through your Instagram to see what, what your your friends back home are doing, rather than you know really being focused on, okay, I've just had a game, you know, now I've got to prepare for the next one. What are the six things I need to do? Yeah, like self reflection and and hindsight is is somewhat really difficult mm. immediately because yeah we are so distracted as, as soon as we. Which I guess the flip side of that is it's also very easy for players, especially to remove themselves from the the game post game. Yeah, and actually allow yeah. themselves to switch off. Yeah, and, and and I think it, you know, it's you gotta you gotta take a uh, an individual athlete approach. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, and and one of the I guess one of the big benefits is that you know we can within half an hour of the game ending, we can actually have that game ready to go. We can actually have it cut up 
into little little chunks so we can do a, a quick film review before the next game if if that's what we really want to do. So, you know, there's there's obvious pros and cons, but yeah, it's it, yeah, it was nice to hear her talk about that. You know, really being present and and being united and and that sort of thing. And that that high performance lifestyle, like the the culture associated mm. with being a, a HP athlete. It's not just on the training park. It's not just in the gym. It's you know what what she's putting into her body. You know the way she thinks about sport. You know the way she carries herself as a, as a human being first off, and then as a high performance athlete. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. All right. Well, that's all we have this week. We've uh, we've unfortunately run out of time for O'Keefe again. As I said, like you can hear it. Can you hear it? The music's been sleeping on my couch since the weekend, mate. It'll be filthy. (laughs) Thank you to the cover. Thank you, Mum and Dad. Thank you, Nath McMahon. Thank you, Abby. Uh, We really hope that um, you do well, not only at at Langford, but but then moving forward to the Olympics. And look, yeah, we're going to take this week by week. You know, if 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 we get isolated, then Jimbo and I are going to have to figure out how to do this podcast remotely. So, who knows? Or we just lock in for a fortnight together. Yeah. Yeah, live stream that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll be back as soon as we can. And thank you again for listening. I hope you all have a good week. <laughs>